nice positive outcome is that they all survive. In 75, 76, I think McCartney and Lennon jammed. There would have been a chance of them getting back together. And then they would have made it to them. Um, but the worst side would have been they would have had something bad at Abbey Road. It would have been terrible. And like with the Magical Mystery Tour film that came out in black and white on the TV, and everyone was like, this is terrible, not how it's going to be viewed. They probably would do something like that. They'd be... So that's that's the answers, Mez. I'm going to go straight into the long and winding road. Shall we carry on? Shall we get into yeah. it? So, this is what I want to talk about with this one. Let me get my thing right. So, it's one of my favorite Beatles songs. It's my favorite. It's my mum's favorite Beatles song. Um, I think it's one of Paul McCartney's best songs in terms of chord progressions, melody, arrangement, and emotional weight. Because you get someone like Martha, my dear, that's great on piano. It's technical. It's whimsical. It's, you know, great in, in terms of a musical piece but then the lyrics are about his dog or about someone he likes or love interest. doesn't make sense. They don't, they don't match up as much. Um, but Long and Wine Road's perfect. It has a good ambiguity. It's not directed at one person in particular. Again, I think part of it might be the John Lennon, Yoko Ono car crash mixed in um, with maybe like Linda stuff. That's what's good about it. It's relatable. But why is Lennon playing such horrific bass on it? Horrific bass. Now, to the point of sabotaging it. Now, before I went into the film, I read Revolution in the Head and the author Ian MacDonald, you know, he defends the Phil Spector string augmentation in the song, saying that, you know, it saves the naked version. You had the letter be naked. Um, and essentially, Long and Winding Road is just a, a, a run through of the song with a good McCartney vocal, essentially. It's just John Lennon, Paul McCartney on bass and piano, respectively. But there's no less than 10 major mistakes throughout the whole of that song on bass. These include repeated wrong notes, dropping out, fumbles, vague glissandos to nowhere, and just missed stops completely. Um, and a little later on when George Martin's reconfiguring the mic setup, when they're just like, it's just howling, it's everywhere. And he's saying that John Lennon's bass amp's too loud. You hear Lennon say that he doesn't even know if he's in tune and that he'll have to guess yeah. what he's playing. So it makes sense. You're like, okay, and I would say it's it's a technically demanding song. You know, the chords, uh, there's a lot of quick chords there that need to be kind of around. It's in an awkward key of E flat, um, which isn't very guitar friendly for your guitar players out there. You know, we like E, we like A, we like D, G is great, F is fine, but you get B flat, E flats, A flats, all those things. You haven't, it's not as grabbable visually, I would say. Especially E flat, yeah. Especially E flat. Um, so what I notice is, so if we are to view this as just a demo recording, what they're doing, what you're seeing on the film is just Paul McCartney almost going through the stops with John Lennon. He's saying, well, why don't you try holding this note? And then they do a take. And later on, Paul McCartney forgets that they even taped it, um, which I'll get to. Uh, not intended to be released on the Letter B album. Um, it may expect as arrangements more of a success. But in the film, they make a point of telling you that Take Your Hearing appears on the album. They do this with all the songs. You know, the yeah. thing you're seeing right now is what's on the Letter B album. And it's nice when your ear goes... I love that, yeah. That's definitely the one you can just hear it yeah. before it comes up. It's like a game, isn't it? I was like, yeah, yeah, this I'm is the like, take. Is that the one? Is yeah, the one? yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, they make a point by telling you that, that you're hearing it appears on the album, along with all four Beatles listening in the control room discussing whether they want to put strings on it. 
George also brings up the point that they wouldn't mind getting a tie to take before mixing. Later on, Paul calls it that little thing when Glyn Johns reminds him, like I said. So which is it? Like, which is it? Like, what are we actually hearing? Because on the recording, you're hearing cymbal overdubs. You're hearing like yeah. a band take of it. But what it actually is, is just Paul McCartney and John Lennon. So the film there, again, it comes to this thing of how important is this really? But I guess in terms of the positivity and the happiness surrounding it, like what is the film? Why is the film trying to lie to us this way on a seemingly very unimportant thing? Just, you don't need to tell us that the long and wide road, this was the take they used because technically it's not. There was a lot of overdubs around that time. Um, yeah. Like I said, um, I think the Letter B album was meant to be scrapped and aborted, but with this whole Alan Klein thing coming in and all the tension, and I think Lennon gave the green light for Spectre to save it, and Spectre does, you know, a huge overdub session. Now, 1st of April 1970, there's an overdub session for this song. Um, bearing in mind, at this point, so, so the, get, the, let, the Get Back film makes you think that they've done the song as you hear it on the album at that yeah. time, which is false. Mm. So they're doing overdubs. McCartney and George Martin are a few rooms away. Now, the, the revolution in the head book suggests, why couldn't McCartney just go in and re-record his bass part? Like, he's in the same control room. Surely he knows. But I think they didn't know this was happening, which makes sense when McCartney's livid about hearing about Letter B's coming out, which is why he gets his solo album out before Letter B comes out and then quits the band. With the huge palaver, Lennon throwing a brick through his window, all that kind of fallout. Um, and again, it goes in the thing of like Lennon being quoted as saying that McCartney treated his songs as less than his own in terms of his playing on them. But, you know, I would say McCartney never, he never sabotaged a song and um, he left no technical blemish. He might noodle. You listen to stuff like um, Don't Let Me Down, like the rooftop versions. He's like playing these four notes just over and over and over again. He is noodling. And like with something where George Harrison originally was like, he's very all over the place. He's too busy. But, and he appreciated later, Paul McCartney never sabotaged stuff. He played stuff correctly and right, even if it was too much. Whereas Lennon literally doesn't know what he's doing. And it could be down to the heroin he was doing, which yeah. does get slightly mentioned when they're all, they're all around, aren't they? And, and uh, Ringo's feeling a bit ill. And he says... Yeah, I, I took some drugs last night and I threw up in an interview, which I'll try and see and link down below where, yeah, you can hear him burping. He's on like a closed radio and like he's burping and he goes off and throws up and comes back. He's trying heroin for that time. So there are periods where I seen it as well. He had his, they were listening, I can't remember what they're listening to. It was maybe some sessions just before the rooftop concert and he's got his head in his hands and he's just yeah. completely done. Like, I think he was doing a lot of heroin around that point, smoking it because he was he was scared of injecting. Um, mm. So maybe we're dealing with a, like a dope sick Lennon who just had no idea what he was doing on the base. And I think, again, it goes back to that thing of McCartney relenting and just going, you know what? Like, I've just got to take off what I want this album to be. I'm in a group of with people. Let's just see what happens. Maybe he just made his mind up of, you know, the long, like you said, the longer winding roads, probably for the next album. He's probably thinking an album ahead. But mm. um, if I look through my knowledge, let's have a look. Um, 
Do we think this is an instance of misleading the audience to perpetrate a positive and happy narrative at the time through this long and widened road, maybe not mentioning it? Or do you think I'm trying to make a mountain out of a molehill? Mez, give me your honest answer. Come on, lad. I I don't know. The whole the whole lion thing seems a bit weird. Um, again, if it's a thing like like I mentioned earlier with the obviously Lennon's not here to defend himself anymore, but would he really be bothered if he was? Like, is he really going to be fussed about that? really going to be I don't think he would be I think he'd just be like uh, whatever um, I don't know it's kind of weird now you mention it like the whole the whole thing of like not falsifying us well okay we'll, we'll call it that actually that's a lovely photo actually it's even better with you poking cool. over the top I'm going to interject very quickly just to add because I realised that I didn't say it clearly or whatever to think about also add in this if John Lennon had played the bass perfectly and played the right notes, they would have maybe got the take and it would have been on the album, right? But you got to think, okay, if the Letter B sessions were that bad, they got Phil Spector in to do arrangements to essentially cover up these mistakes because it's terrible. I'm not talking mm. like a little fluff like they had in maybe the first couple of albums where you just have to do it. They're really, really bad. It's someone who does not know how to play the song. Phil Spector had to be brought in McCartney hears it, goes livid, releases his album and quits the Beatles. So as small as that thing might be that the film is depicting it as this is what this is how they got it on the day. Actually, it could be the fact that that baseline is very connected to the fact that the Beatles broke up. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's the small thing, to be honest. I mean, McCartney's. You, you see the point of view of George Harrison and John Lennon. Ringo kind of stays relatively quiet for it, but in terms of McCartney being boss, maybe he hits a point where he's just like, "I've I've had enough. I'm trying to I'm trying to manage these people. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to write songs for them." Yeah. And my 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 main co-writer can't even be asked to learn one of my one main of my songs, tunes yeah. on the album. So why why should I bother anymore? Why? Yeah. And I mean. Yeah. McCartney doesn't need anyone, especially not at that time. He doesn't need anyone to help him write, to help him record. He's chilling. McCartney in 70, 69, 70, he does not need a soul. Um, yeah, so maybe he hit a point where he was just like, you know what, screw this. Why, why, why should I make this effort? Why should I have to deal with John Lennon smoking dope, turning up every day, not knowing how to play bass? Why should I have to deal with George Harrison losing his losing his temper because of I, I i'm being a bit bossy you know why should i have to deal with ringo falling asleep in the corner when i'm trying to play a bloody <laughs> song trying to get a take back i could see that i could see that angle and i mean you know as i said before my impression of mccartney was this very sweet unassuming gentleman we all have a breaking point <laughs> and considering the fact that he was under a lot of pressure at that time does all this work really stresses himself out you know he's he's not spending time at home with linda and heather which i'm sure he wants to he's at the studio day in day out working himself into the ground to make sure yeah. this album goes off and john lennon doesn't learn a baseline i'd just be I, that i can understand that actually because that's the way that went quite frankly 
But the falsifying is obviously it's that Disney gooey warm feeling at the end. Isn't it? Oh, they they all got it together and they worked out their differences in the end. And it's just like okay, maybe for the rooftop gig, but we all know how this story ends. In exactly. Fact, earlier on. Um, my dear mother Mags lost a screw from her glasses. Oh, very, no. very, very small screw, tiny. And she was like, I took them off to clean earlier on, put them on, she went out, and uh, one of the lenses fell out. This is kind of irrelevant. I'm on the floor with my torch out looking for it whilst Let It Be's playing in the background, the movie. And she goes, you're missing your program, James. And I just looked up and went, it's all right. I know how it ends. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that is the beauty of it, isn't it? Um, yeah. Oh, Sheen. That's O'Sheen. mad, though, yeah. Um, like, what sorry, do you yeah. think? Like, am I am I onto I, a thread here that that one scene of John Lennon messing up bass maybe was the contributing factor to it all breaking down? To be honest, I've never noticed the the baseline on that song ever like i like um i never even went back to listen to it afterwards to think if if i could hear it or not it must be very low in the mix is it like i i don't remember it being if you hear if you hear the let it be naked version it's yeah so apparent so i'll link it i'm I'm not that i'm not that familiar with the let it be naked uh album but like even on i even on the get back sessions I, i i didn't notice it too much but yeah like i i don't think he was sabotaging his songs or that song like you were saying um although we we do know that he didn't like he he called um a lot of the piano stuff that paul did granny music and he didn't really like Uh, because paul was really fond of that kind of sweet era uh that he grew up with his dad he always talks about his dad he um, play guitar or I mean he played the piano at um, big social gatherings and you know there'd be a family that like my family actually singing and playing songs you know yeah. on Christmas and New Year's or whatever uh, and he loved all that music so it, it, it's actually surprised like I never thought about how many um, songs are like that like there's uh, I it's like uh, let it be and um the long winding road uh, and um hey jude they kind of they all coincide w- w- in my head they coexist with each other they're they're, they're all yeah. that kind of sweet 50s ballady kind of thing um and it, i think i think they all hated that maybe maybe ringo didn't mind it as much but uh, i know george and john definitely didn't like that side of paul's writing yeah um so that 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 does back up the fact that he may have sab- tried to sabotage that song. Um, Paul McCartney would never. Again, Paul McCartney would never play. He'd always play something correct, at least. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. surely Paul McCartney would know that. Yeah. But sorry yeah. to cut you off. Like again, but, go, keep going. Yeah, but then again, we do see. You know, like, there's the scene in in the first episode where uh, John Lennon he comes in late and he's wearing the same clothes as the day before. Like you see exactly, you know, uh, and everyone's kind of like, they, no one's saying it. It's just assumed that he's, you know, been doing smack all night, or whatever, you know, um, which he had been, she had been exactly, yeah. Like it's never said of, of course, or 
because it's on Disney Plus. <laughs> I am. Um, well, that's the thing. Um, I was expecting in in this film. Um, do you know the way? Like, uh, I would say this is. Um, do you know the way we're saying about the the box sets? Yeah. The way the the traditional box set that used to come out was like um, a discography box set. And it was like going through the whole um, career, uh, like like with the anthology, it goes through the whole career, and they've got like um, they come in with a uh, you know Paul McCartney on that year, and he's looking back on it. Like yeah. there's none of that. Like uh, it kind of it's kind of like um, a fur- further de- development. It's it's something that's been on the cutting room floor for years, um, and it's li- literally that tells the story itself. There's no like in hindsight, oh, that that's what I was saying there. It's like the, the material, it is what it is. Like, and you, that tells the story, not not like added things in later. So yeah, you kind of have to decipher a lot of things yourself, you know? Um, indeed, indeed. Especially if you're not, uh, if you're only a casual Beatles listener. Or not yeah. even, I'd say like, again, we're, I'm talking like super nerdy, almost conspiracy theory level stuff here, where I'm talking about one scene in the film, which does not ruin the chronology of anything of the Beatles, their history or their timeline. But I do really think if you compare John Lennon's bass part to the presence of Yoko Ono, mm-hmm. I really think that the bass part is more important to the reason why they broke up than Yoko Ono was, even if there yeah. are, were tensions. But really think about it. If everything was played correctly, they wouldn't have scrapped the album necessarily. They wouldn't have had to do schmaltzy overdubs with Spectre. I mean, I know there's the whole Alan Klein thing and different camps and things, but you know, McCartney would have known about it coming out, but McCartney went livid. And then knowing that project was going to come out, put his album ahead of it. So like, yeah, it sounds really small, but like if I'm going to light up my Beatles brain, that's going to be my theory going ahead. Like, really, like, well, like, um, do you know, uh, for years, Paul McCartney, he didn't uh, in the 70s, he didn't talk about the, the Beatles at all in interviews. No, uh, as far as I know. And um, I think he was a bit worried about what, you know, what John John would say in the press. Oh, he said this. And, what, and then he was really more open. Um in the eighties after and nineties and, and now, and that's what you hear the same stories again and again and again of the Beatles <laughs> since the nineties, you know? Um, but like after Lennon passed away, that that's when he was opening up and saying, uh, Oh no, it was actually John that split up the Beatles. He came in one day, uh, and said, I'm out of the group, but you know, for years, um, like it, uh, Paul was, Initially blamed for the breakup, wasn't he? Because he he moved up to Wales or yeah, was it Scotland? Scotland, yeah. On his little farm, and he was kind of broke down. He was like, "Oh, get out of here! Uh, the Beatles thing, it's all over now, anyway." And um, like, are are you saying that? Like, I don't think he he was fed up. I think he would have kept going if if uh, John hadn't have left. Um, you, know? you mean kept going on with the Beatles? Yeah, yeah, with the beat, he he wouldn't have. Um, I don't think that would have been the thing to burst a balloon. 
well yeah 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 obviously there are other factors like i'm saying like um but i think from i think for like nails in the coffin like there are a handful of nails in the coffin um i think it would have pissed them yeah obviously it pissed them off but i don't think like didn't he leave um did he leave after john said i'm leaving the group was that before you know well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, not sure. I'm, I'm messing up my like timelines here. Yeah. I yeah. don't know whether John Lennon said that in a meeting, in an Apple meeting, and then it was kind of like yeah, rushed off, or it was either while they were right, like signing all the contracts and getting towards these kind of things, um, whether it was a false threat or whether it was a reaction to McCartney. Because again, McCartney, they were. I'd say they, Lennon in particular, was always annoyed that McCartney would leak stuff to the press, like yeah. I've done LSD. And it was like, yeah, but you weren't the first person. Like, stop yeah, exactly. taking the line, the like, you know? Yeah. So maybe there's a narrative there. But maybe what I'm saying then is like, out of all the nails in the coffin, I think that is one of them. That that um, long and winding road bass playing that was bad enough that contributed to the whole let it be fiasco that was okay we need to recover this because we're not putting it out as it is we're only going to do that in the 2000s i think it was um we'll get specter in but lennon approved it mccartney didn't know and then mccartney goes livid and then that's when the whole thing of pushing stuff back i'm going to put my album out first and then that all happened because abbey road a lot of that even like towards the end after they recorded that, there was just overdubs where it'd be like Ringo going in. Like, again, the cymbal crashes on Long and Winding Road. Separately, yeah. Yeah, so it was already in effect. They were kind of broken up before they'd even released to Let It Be. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I think I think that is like a... That's just something I've made in my head where I'm like, that makes sense to me. As small as that is, and the film makes it out as just a normal thing, like, hey, they made the song, but it's like, you know what? That could have been a whole section... If this was like a chronology, let's say anthology, right? If they did a remix of the anthology and included bits of this in to really get a better narrative of what Get Back was, you could really splinter off into that long and winding road thing and just go into, yeah, the takes were bad or all we had to do was this. I'd love to hear McCartney's thoughts on the whole Spectre thing in that regard. I've probably read it in magazines and forgot about it. You know what I mean? Mm. It, like, like we said there, the whole George Harrison thing, Lennon on drugs, like there's all these little pockets, even though we've got six hours of footage and we're nerds and want more, all these little storylines that, I mean, were they on the big whiteboard in Peter Jackson's office of like, right, we could go into this scene, this scene, this scene, shall we or shall we not? Do you think that was a thing that they had a, li- a lot more optional scenes that they had I to take I think they off? would have had to have done that. There was so, yeah. Like, even though it's um, eight hours, which is a lot, they're editing down 55 hours. So they would have had to structure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but, um, definitely. Definitely. I think they're, I think in the future, there's either going to be an extended cut because we've already said that the, the man who loves add on stuff is Peter Jackson. Well, actually, do I, you know, I, I saw there's, they're actually releasing this out on a Blu-ray. There's actually a Blu-ray box set coming out. And wow. it doesn't look like there's any, additional stuff in it which is a surprise that's what has surprised a lot of people that you know i follow people that are are talking about it and they're a bit disappointed yeah okay aside aside i i think it will personally but same yeah 
aside from little boring bits and maybe hour, two hour long jams of like one song, what do you lads think they left out? I think they left out more of uh, Yoko, maybe. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, She wasn't a heavy feature, was she? No, not really. She was definitely... She was definitely more talkative. Sure. Uh, In the, after the first meeting um, with George, was it with George? Yeah, they they were all given out. Linda was even given out saying, oh yeah, uh, Yoko spoke for John the whole time. You know, he was too stoned to even talk. You know, like, so she she definitely did, like, even when you see Lennon in in the studio doing uh, Imagine, she's, always saying oh yeah you should do this you know and uh, uh do it an octave up a doodle doon doon you know yeah. things like that she was always um because she was an artist herself she wanted she yeah. i think she maybe have seen it as an opportunity to um i don't know have have some kind of input in it you know and she she was like in this book like i was saying um uh, she's saying, you know, you don't want. She says, um, if you go out, it's just going to be loads of screaming fans. Uh, you don't want that. You want uh, something, something kind of more out there, kind of like she actually. It's actually a cool thing she um, um, suggests. She suggests um, playing to a load of cardboard cutouts, like you know, Sergeant Pepper or something like that. I think that would have been really cool. I think she but, contributes and it has constructive points. She's not just yeah. a manic artist that just screams all the time, which Yeah, well like she, yeah. There's there's no way like why does she why is she actually getting on and doing her freak out jams? Like she's obviously wanting to get like as soon as someone says, Oh Yoko, do you wanna have a scream there? <laughs> she's gonna say yes. Yeah. So she she has like a ulterior uh, alter ulterior motive ulterior motives yeah he's got that he's got that. Uh, that that's what i think anyway like i know she just sat there but like i think she's kind of like oh are they gonna ask me to sing kind of thing i, I think mean, maybe. i think she sits in a very good position because she she does join in on, on jam sessions and screams and stuff and does does a thing but i think i think she was aware enough to know because again she's essentially married to john lennon not literally but like she's attached to the hip of the guy she is the closest to getting all of the little bits of information or the dribs and drabs of what he's saying yeah. of what being a beat was actually like so i think she knows that she is in a very good position of i'm on this line that i don't want to step into this world because i'm going to disrupt it because there were points like a lot of people have said you got them four together and you try to talk to them, but it's almost like they had this language. And we all know that from being in groups and stuff. I can say shallot to Merritt and he's going to laugh. O'Sheen's like, I don't get it, right? I can, say, I can say the bakery's open to Merritt. He's going to laugh. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm on about. So it makes you feel kind of like, well, I don't know what's going on here. So I think Yoko knew all the ins and outs of how they work, but didn't want to step in there. And knew, didn't that, wanna, yeah. it's, it's, knew it's she almost... was on that good line. I think that's great that she chose that decision not to to force herself in it's like okay. it's like i would compare that to like a, a nature program where there's a leopard 
going in for like a weak gazelle. And the camera crew could stop it, but it's nature and you can't stop it because it's going to happen anyway. It would have happened when you weren't there. Yeah. So maybe Yoko's in the same frame of, I want this to be an organic experience. And yeah. Also, lads, do you know, I mean, I didn't see her name in the credits when it came to producing this thing. Was she involved? Was she not involved? If she wasn't, do we know why? Well, she's the head of the Lennon estate, as far as yes. I know. So she she obviously must have been involved. She must have okayed I know, uh, in the very least. I know yeah. Sean Lennon is doing a lot more now uh, than her. He was, But, um, yeah, I'm sure she's in the credits, surely. I don't think she's an executive producer. I think that's just Ringo and... No. Pool, it's Ringo right? and Paul who are yeah. produce, main maybe producers. Maybe she's just part of the Corp or Apple Corp or something like that. But, but I, I, like I said, I mean, obviously, like I, I wanted this to follow on from your point, Marv, about her just being on the cusp and having that sort of position. I mean, I feel like that would have made the whole thing a much more personable, uh, intimate affair, even though it was already quite intimate. I, 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 feel, like, I feel like Yoko's going to know this blows my mind a little bit. Yoko's the one of the few, if not the only person on earth right now that knows exactly how John Lennon felt mm-hmm. in so many of these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I, I don't know. I, I just would have thought she would have been more involved with the process. Um, or maybe she was, and I'm, I'm talking out my ass, but I, I, the only two executive producers I saw were Paul and Ringo. I don't um, think you are, Mez. And to follow on, I think because of this film and the way she's portrayed in a very positive way, also the realistic way that she was, I think if she now released the documentary saying this is how the Beatles broke up, I think it would get taken seriously and it would be very interesting. I think pre this film, people would go cash grab, cash grab, you're all lies. I think now she has got some legitimacy, not back, but I think she's definitely more revered and it's like you're a good egg. You're a good I mean, well, yeah. You say. I mean, I, I said it. I mean, I'm <clears throat> I'm not the biggest Beatles nerd, but I also don't know nothing, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So for that reason, for me to sit and watch, as I said, it's, it's quite wholesome to see them kind of sat together, to see, although she's quiet for most of the film, there are points where she does laugh and share moments with John, you know, and it's um like yeah. Paul airs the fact that he's clearly got no issue with her same with Ringo yeah so yeah you're absolutely right whereas the classic as I said, is always the same oh it was all fine until John got with Yoko and that's very funny of you to say um, I'm sure Yoko didn't force him to smoke smack um, I'm sure she didn't force him to do any of the number of silly mm-hmm. things he did at silly points um, a silly goose as it were no. A bloody silly little goose, that lad. <laughs> no, it's I'm not good for her legacy. This film, like it's defended her. Yeah, without, um, without definitely, definitely. And it's, I, it's obviously, it's it's kind of a meme at this stage. Oh, uh, yeah. I I remember. I don't know. We we've been in bands. I'm sure over over the years, I've brought a girl in into practice and it's like oh what are you, what are you bringing yoko in for you know it's like a, nearly a, <laughs> yeah. a meme at this point you know yeah so it is a meme that. it is a meme but the the issue is i think it's good for that to happen because obviously the beatles are the biggest band that have ever existed um so 
for people to put the blame on her for the biggest band to ever have existed for splitting up kind of sucks. I wouldn't feel good about that. So the fact mm. that people, I mean, I say people, people don't really say it anymore, obviously, because we've got these resources to hand. Yeah. You know, and obviously Paul McCartney nowadays is so happy to talk about the Beatles. Ringo can't say anything except for the words peace and love. Um, which is so comical. I love how much of a cartoon he is now. Do you know what he said in an interview once? I read it in the paper, which is obviously legitimate, but he, he was quoted as saying, if I did an autobiography, no, I don't want to do an autobiography because all people would care about is 62 to 70. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah, mate, like, of what, course. He's going to be like, and then I got out of Hamburg and then, oh, I did my solo album and that was good in 72. It's like, dude, like, even if you're in the Beatles, you know where your bread is buttered. Like, come on, buddy. There's a really good um, Mitchell and Webb sketch. Asheen, have you ever seen that Mitchell and Webb look? Don't think so. So it's Robert Mitchell, uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, the stars of Peep Show. Yeah. They do like a sketch show. And um, there's one where it's like, um, one of them's a journalist. David Mitchell's a journalist and Robert Webb is representing Neil Armstrong. <sighs> and Neil right. Armstrong has completely given up being a, a spaceman. He's yeah. now a singer-songwriter. Nice. Okay. And the agent is like, right, okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, Neil before we, uh, before we take him into the room. Um, he does not want to talk about the events of 1969. Right. Um, and basically, he doesn't want um, he doesn't want to be called uh, a space a spaceman anymore. He doesn't want that. And David Mitchell's like, right, okay. So what do I say what to my you? viewers? What yeah. do I say to my readers? And he's like, well, he's he's a songwriter. So any questions about space? Any questions about what he did during that time? He will terminate the interview. And he's like, but what? How do I introduce him then? <laughs> what am I supposed to say? And he's like, uh, what he says, he's like, okay, so if, if I'm an alien came down from earth and I, and you've gone, here's Neil Armstrong, what are you going to say? And Robert Webb says, he's, what is it? It's like, he's a, he's a, he's a singing songwriting astronaut or something like that. It's very, no, no, he was the first singer songwriter on the moon. Nice. Um, which is comical <laughs> as hell, but that's how I see that Ringo going. I'm oh no, I don't really want to know about that. What about what I do now? Yeah. What about the Instagram videos I put up going? That goes back to a, a common thing where uh, I saw R Rick Beato talks about it a lot. Where um, a lot of musicians they think the latest song they've done is the best thing they've ever done. Yeah. So he's obviously thinking, oh, uh, you know what? Why isn't anyone talking about my? My solo <laughs> stuff. You Ringo know? and the All-Stars, I mean, yeah. Exactly. So oh, man. He's obviously um, a bit sick and that he hasn't left... You know, a lot of people aren't interested in that. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there is a real-life version of what Merritt talked about. A Billy, there's a Billy Bob Thornton interview on this Canadian radio show called Q where he's an act... Obviously, he's an actor. He's got a band and the bloke is trying to... The bloke, you know, interviewing him just to set up context is saying that he's been a movie star and been in things. And Billy Bob Thornton is just completely stonewalled and just like, I don't know why you need to bring that up. Like, he's just so ag not aggressive, like nasty, but like, 
just being so shitty with the guy. I'll link it down below. It's just, yeah, it's exactly that sketch, but in real life. And it's so cringe. It's so cringe. This is kind of the thing. And I mean, I I think obviously, yeah, it must get tiring. Oh, you were in, you were in the bit. Oh my God, you're, you're such a such. You were in this band. Oh my God, it must get tiring after 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, sure. They were all uh, fed up with that question. Will they ever get back together? You know, until um, John Lennon died, uh, that that's when that kind of simmered down a bit. That question, yeah. But um, yeah, they kind of did. They didn't want to talk about the Beatles for for a while. They all kind of indeed. Paul McCartney's (laughs) really good at the the politician answer now, and I'm happy with that because what more has he got to say? What more has he got to say? Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it's exactly that sort of level, isn't it? Because top of that like i imagine when you leave that bubble again we've all been in bands we've been so close knit and so into it and then all of a sudden it just stops and that's the end of it and you suddenly come out imagine coming out of that bubble for whatever reason and then on every single street corner there's someone going oh marv like marv will will you ever get back together asheen asheen when's the next album coming out what are you doing now are you is it true the rumors about you doing an acdc do you know what i mean yeah, is O'Sheen joining ACDC? I've heard the rumors. I've heard are, the rumors. I've heard it's yeah. true on drums the, uh, as well. I've heard the years are breaking up, um, and he's joined an ACDC. He's going to join the decades. Uh, only be time based <laughs> bands. Hang on, no, the centuries, a, isn't it? Yeah, the centuries, the centuries. Is there right? Is there anything anyone's got any points on before we go to the rooftop performance and the classic police saga? that I can't wait to get sunk into. I just want to get into this next bit, to be honest. Oshin, yeah. what are you saying? Um, I was just going to say, yeah, before they get up on to the roof, they have the chat, you know, like, um, like it's suggested and they go, there's that scene where they kind of scout out the roof and they think, Oh, will it, will it be held up? And, um, this is where the only bit in, in my mind where kind of Lennon takes ch- charge again, where um, Paul's like, oh, we won't discuss it, you know, we won't discuss Like if we're going, and Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director is like, um, you know, we, we need to end it. We, like, what are we ending it with? Or do you want to do it or not? My guys are good to go up to the cameras. Come on, we need to do it. And yeah. then, um, uh, you know, Ringo's like, I'd like to go up on the roof. And then John John is like, I think we would be mad not to do it, you know. Yeah, we we're, we'll just do it. We'll just do it, and it's kind of like then or uh, McCartney kind of does it in the huff. Well, it seems like in that it, it's portrayed as that, you know, in the in that little scene. But yeah, that's what I wanted to say before they got onto. Before the they get that, I agree. Yeah. You can see that McCart. I think McCartney just wants. Decisions. I don't know. He thinks it's um, a kind of a compromise because they had all these um mad f- suggestions like getting all their fans to go on a boat and yeah pick them up and the coliseum uh, like yeah the coliseum and- so much stuff i think yeah. mccartney from what i can gather from the film he wants decisions to be made from some like it needs to make sense from how you've got from the suggestion to the solution where the roof like you said it just seems like i don't want to go anywhere and yeah it's a bit lazy but it made sense and yeah. it's funny because George Harrison's like, I don't want to go on the roof. Like, I really don't. 
But again, this level of respect from Ringo. I think Ringo is the oldest. If not, it's Lennon. He is, but, yeah. But Ringo's yeah. just like, very calmly. He doesn't, he doesn't demand it. He just goes, I'd like to go on the roof. And everyone's just suddenly like, Ringo oh, said, right, if Ringo says yes, then I'm going to do it. I really like that aspect of it. I really Actually, like I love that, that about... Um... It really does show, like, he doesn't say much, but you can see how much um, respect they have for Ringo. They, they really do think he's great. Actually, the, um, a thing that I, I didn't notice until I rewatched scenes, did they call it, they don't really call him Ringo. Do, they don't, they call him Rich. Or yeah. Kind of, is it kind of jokey? Is that, oh, well, Richard, do you know? I think, or is it like, do they actually call him Richard? I think they probably call him Rich or Richie because... Yeah. They're probably used to Ringo being like the when, stage they're on, when they're on stage. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Paul's first name's James. It's James Paul McCartney. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, called Paul. But right. yeah, like the, the Ringo thing is almost like with some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary with Kirk Hammett. He doesn't say a lot. And the thing is with Kirk Hammett is that, I mean, Hetfield and Lars Ulrich are way more of a dictatorship in that band. Yeah, Hammett doesn't have much of a say, even to the point of Hammett's playing things that James Hetfield's told him to play. So kind of like the Paul George thing that did happen yeah. in certain sessions. But there are bits where Hammett does say certain things that are like underhanded and you're like, you've personified it. You've summed everything up right up there. Yeah, But not from like a respect point of view. It's like a, from a frustration point of view where... I can't remember what they're talking about. I think they're talking about like getting the new bass players in. And then he says yeah. something like, yeah, like I've been, I've been told to play for the last 20 years or something. Referencing the fact that he's definitely a way better guitarist than I would assume everyone thinks he is because it's just fun to just dump on Kirk Hammett. Um, mm. But it's because Hetfield's got this control, had this control of like, you need to play this. You need to play that. You listen to the demos. That's what he's playing and like it yeah yeah so what you're saying that he's compromising what he would actually like to play is that what... i think kirk hammett is a way better guitar player uh off than they allow records than they allow him to be because if you, oh yeah if you listen to some demos um especially load reload era where a lot of it because it was yeah. more streamlined following the vein of the black album a lot of it is just very pentatonic based and when i say that maybe for a layman guitar player, it's stock traditional licks or phrases that can be- like Bluesy easy. licks. Bluesy licks. Bluesy yeah. licks are things that are easy to grab and just play. It's bread guitar, and butter. As a beginner guitar player, but to make it obviously sound great is a more intermediate thing. But um, it just becomes very, very simple. And you can just tell that he's a much better player than he is. In fact, they, they have it in Iron Maiden. They- they uh that's that's what they say about dave murray he doesn't say much but when he comes out with something it's just if someone's having a disagreement or someone can't decide what to do yeah the, the rest of them will stand there looking at him like completely aghast like why didn't we get him to say that two hours ago mm. you know and it's i feel like, a kettle like boiling that. he's kind of like yeah. on the back burner and it's like yeah he's, he's just quietly now. sat there and i feel like that's exactly the stance that ringo takes yeah because you're right there's this quiet, unassuming respect for Ringo. And I mean, when you think about it, especially regarding the rooftop thing, it's um, he's the one taking most of the risk because most of the weight he's on top of is, is, is Kit. 
and it's surrounding him. And I mean, you boys have seen it as I have. You only have to look when they pan down to John Lennon tapping his feet. Those boards are flexing. Paul jumps like on flexing. him. Paul jumps on him, and it's like, yeah, it's gone crazy. It's gone crazy. And they're like, they like Eric Gums. Eric, I love this machine. We need to make this lad a permanent staple for little bits like this. <laughs> He's our audio philologist. Is that a word? <laughs> I made it Absolutely. now. Um, yeah, no, let's, let's let's get to the rooftop bit. Let's get to the rooftop bit. Yes. Can I just yes. say? Let, can we just uh, on the note of Ringo? Let let's Go just on. um a shout out to that beautiful red oh, uh, raincoat. <laughs> That's his so wife. That's his wife. Is it? Yeah, no I think way. It's his wife's. Man, I I just always thought it was so cool. I just it is. Uh, so did I. And it's so sixties. Pra- it's practical. Like when I think well. of the sixties, I think of that coat. It's practical as well, because obviously the, the performance was put off a day, wasn't it, due to bad weather? Yeah, and it's yeah. cold. So it makes sense that he's going to wear a raincoat. Of course he is. Ringo yeah. does seem to be, out of all of them, the most sensible, if I'm honest. Ringo's MVP. That's what I'm saying. Ringo's MVP. And a little side note, maybe the respect stems from the fact, you're both probably going to cut me off and say, no, it's a miss. Hey, shut up. Go on. Um, the fact that when they were at school, they were scared of him. Because he was hard. I think that's true. They were scared of Ringo. Yeah, they were scared of him because he was he was like a hard nut. He was a teddy boy. Right? Right? Yeah, he was a teddy boy. Yeah. They were scared of him. And he, he was older than them. He's older than them as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he's the oldest one. Did they know him and did they know Ringo in school? I don't know if they did. I don't think they did. I think Matt might I think there is I think we're in between it. I think they knew of Ringo because he was in Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. And they yeah. probably knew. They met of, him in Hamburg. Yeah, they it? they knew of yeah. his reputation of being like kicked out. Of ah, yeah. I think so, that's more likely to be the case. Yeah, yeah. The, the cavern and that, but the rooftop performance. Can I just say the way they stole the police with just the dumb? Uh, I I don't know what's going on. It's just the best. It's, it's like amazing. it's like it's written for film. It's brilliant. Oh, they've locked themselves. They've locked themselves out yep. up there. Sorry, like yep. oh yeah, we'll we'll just get such and such to and the receptionist someone i hope she got a promotion because yeah. good lord she was amazing she was so good amazing and, and even yeah even like um when they found it was it glenn who spoke to them or it was that chat with the glasses you had mal yeah. evans come down to mal to yeah they were both they were both amazing but the weird thing <laughs> i i kind of cottoned on to that i thought they said in the film they had to ask permission yeah, to, what to ask permission to go on the roof yeah, to like make the noise. He's got some. Look at that. No, I think they. I think they just went on. I think they, they just, just cracked on. on with it. Yeah. And yeah. The, well, there's discussion yeah. about that. They, they they wanted that for the film. They want. They were like, oh, you know, it'd be so cool for the police to shut it down and grab Ringo off the drum kit and yeah. it's like it's it's done, lads. They, they wanted to provoke. Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, they wanted to provoke the police to come in and shut it down. You know. And there was there was oh. that moment where Mal reached over and appeared to switch amps off, but they I didn't yeah. stop hearing guitar. I did. I oh, did. Yeah, I, I, did. I, I see Matt. He's, he yeah. switched off George's and John's, but what I think he was doing, he either I don't think he was relenting to um, the police. I think what he was doing was was just switching them off for a moment because I think the take they were doing wasn't very good. So what he's done is he switched it off knowing that obviously uh, okay. we're going to keep it, then switched it back on. 
I think he was making it look like, like with the PA thing about turning it down, that he had done something. It's the same when you get a guest, you know, when we play a right. gig at a wedding, it's like, you need to do this, this issue. Like, yeah, all right, mate. And you just turn some knob that doesn't know nothing. And what I like as yeah. well is that <laughs> I don't know what song it is. I think it's in to get back, but they finished Don't Let Me Down, which is a bad take. And without hesitation, so Paul McCartney clocks as the police. He tries to like eyeball Lennon to be like, there's police there. Obviously, Ringo and George know. They finish Don't Let Me Down and go straight in the get back, like straight in. And you can see Paul McCartney just yeah. constantly looking back. And then he ad-libs at the end about- Yeah, but he's so light and he's like, oh, He on. wanted to be dragged off. Yeah, he's the same as Ringo. Yeah. But like, I thought that was great as well. Because it's like, can you imagine being the police officer that stopped the performance. Yeah, exactly. The last beat of performance. Yeah. And you could tell they clearly, when they're at the when they're at the rooftop, I'd even say even at the end of when they're in the reception, they knew yeah. they were like, right, I'm making a decision here. This is mm. this is tough. I'm gonna shut be the guy the Beatles, that yeah, yeah, shuts down the Beatles. Something I did notice, the two younger police officers were proper like disturbing the peace. We're gonna have to oh, we're gonna have to start arresting people in a minute. Clearly, yeah. they, all they'd had was a phone call to say, someone's making a tremendous amount of noise on that street. Yeah. Can you go and do something about that? And then the sergeant, very quite happily, just walks along. Good morning. Can I Can I, Can I? I come in? Have, have I got some officers up there? Clearly, he'd been briefed. The Beatles are on that rooftop. You do not want to stop that performance. Yeah. That would be bad. And that is the reason why, I think, one shot, you see them there, and the next, they're gone. Because yeah. I reckon the sergeant went up and went, you boys are big fucking shit. Get down here now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I think that's genuinely what happened. Yeah. Because the sergeant, now you're thinking about it, the sergeant was so, so polite as he entered that building. He was, yeah. He was really, Did he not really... go up on top, though? Yeah. No, I don't think he did. I don't think he did because the reception woman said, oh, go to the fourth floor. But you, but the he, she said, you won't be able to go up. Yeah. She said the police officers haven't gone up to the rooftop because of the weight. She says you can't go up because it's not weight bearing or something like that. Which I think is another clever ruse. She's just said like, like, oh, he's trying to find Derek Taylor now. That uh, Jimmy guy probably just walked into a closet and just stood there. They could just I tell swear, it was all orchestrated. I swear, I saw police. Well, the police officers were. You up saw two, yeah, but I don't think the sergeant guy was up there. I'm so sure I saw his face in one shot because there was like a. It was quite arty, actually. I'm sure there was a shot of Paul's face with the sergeant in, in the background. I'm so sure there was. Here we go. There's one of them there. No, that's one of them there. And they were oh, chewing yeah. on their on their yeah. helmet straps. I was yeah. like, these are, these are young lads. They they like not long on the job. They were ready to to get in there and be like, come on, let's sort yeah. this out. But also, again, now police, uh, I would say. Not not that they're not scary or not intimidating, but I think there's a lot more social. There's like a face yeah. to a policeman now. Yeah, um, in the late sixties, it would have been a lot different. Considering yeah, you would have been, would have been scared. That, you would have been scared of the policeman. Yes, exactly. I think it's a way more yeah. dominating force. So to apply that logic, that's very ballsy of the Beatles to do that, regardless oh, if they're the biggest group in the world. Like, there's still a element of yeah. like, you are being put up against the police here. What are you doing? And what I liked as well is that when all those people on the ground and they were doing those little vox pops of like, who do you think this is? And they're like, I oh, love that. The Beatles, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. I yeah. loved that they shown a lot of older people being like, it's great. I love him. Yeah, yeah. I let my daughter marry him. He's got some money. And there were some younger <laughs> people being like, nah, I don't like it. 
I like that because yeah. there's so much conjecture of, oh, these kids these days with their stupid music and stuff. And, you know, that myth of older people don't like the current music. That's yeah. false narrative. You know what I mean? I loved it. Yeah. I, I saw, there was, yeah. Actually, there was like, um, yeah, there was old people saying, oh, that's just a load of racket. Yeah. And uh, it's a disturbing business. Um, yeah, you, you got the two. And then there was um, two. It seemed like they were from um, Central Europe or something. And they were like, oh, we don't know who this is, you know? Yeah. So it was cool to see that. But um it's just amazing though in this like I've I've seen that in that that's also in the original Let It Be film. A lot of that footage. I think maybe they switched it up, they used a bit more. But the thing that is new in this is how clear the picture is, how clear London is in nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. It looks like a reenactment. Yeah, it, it really does. Like it it's fairly incredible. modern. Yeah, like yeah, like like no, well, like going back to even like um, the clothes that the lads or the Beatles are wearing, like George and uh, Ringo, they're wearing these real flash, um, colorful suits, and it looks so cheesy because you've never seen it so clear. There's mm-hmm. no, <laughs> it looks like a reenactment. Yeah, it, it's nuts. Um, yeah, it, it, I really enjoyed seeing that. Um, yeah, for sure, because you you always think of that time as like real grainy and but that's obviously not what they saw mm-hmm. like, in the exactly. moment. But now you're finally seeing how London looked uh, as it was, you know. Yeah, and um, that's for me. That is such a huge part of the overall uh, experience effect of, of the thing. Yeah, I think. it's yeah. it's very very immersive in that sort of way. And on top of that, the the other thing I loved that so the imagery was amazing. But it was stuff like um, there was a scene at, um, at Apple Studios where George Martin was sat down in front of um, like the organ they had because they had a they had a piano, the Bluthner. Yeah. They had the Fender Rhodes, which looked and sounded incredible, and then mm. they had this like two stacked organ, and George Martin was sat in front of it, and behind him was this vintage Coke bottle filled with coke i was like stuff like that like pop culture and yeah so cool like seeing the seeing the iconic instruments that was something i want to mention mm-hmm. actually the first episode where harrison's got his red les Paul, and he le- he just leans it up willy-nilly he's Lucy, just like yeah. oh, wow. and it falls over yeah. yeah it falls Actually, over falls over yeah yeah, yeah. i was like, like oh it's no. just old lucy oh, <laughs> yeah no but he's but to him it's, it's a guitar it's not yeah. and the uh Telecaster as well. Beautiful. Good lord, amazing. Brown, the strat yeah. he decorated himself. But Paul picks up Rocky. his ricket back and he's like, Yeah, it's it's all right, but but it, it because it's like such a such a such I don't know what these knobs do. And then you've got the, the nut where it's like backwards on it, so the strings keep slipping. Off. Yeah, they had an issue with his bass for for yeah. a good bit of a scene that it was like, yeah. Oh, the bass is too loud or whatever. Um yeah, I don't they they just sorted that out. Um, I haven't talked about Glyn Johns at all. Um, he he's in it a lot. He's also very smartly dressed. He the yeah. outfits that he wears, yeah, incredible, yeah, <laughs> absolutely um, amazing. Yeah, and um, actually, another thing that um is crazy about the way recording was done back then is they literally, if you go into like. 
I, I can imagine that, well, obviously, I know how records are made now, but like it's literally, you do not hear any studio chatter anymore. It's literally, you record your bit and you chop off the end. But they, there's 120 hours of audio. Like they, even when they're just chatting, like these days with digital, you, you know, you're recording now and then when you're done, you stop. Yeah. Like they just kept it rolling, and that's why we have all this great, these great outtakes. Um, it's just crazy. I just can't believe they, uh, like, the cost of running the tape must have been insane. It was two shillings a foot. Yeah, that's what, what was yeah, said. Yeah, that's what it said. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a, it's amazing. It, it's a it's a thing that's lost now. You know, we'll 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 never have that in depth experience. No, uh, I know like what you mean. Again. Indeed. I do know what you mean. And I recording over this weekend has kind of like there's a so we've got um we've got an intro that's like an instrumental sort of bit of music. The lead everyone knows what an intro is. And there is a bit just after so the guitar plays like three notes, the first guitar. And then just in between, you hear a slight door open and you hear and you don't hear it again. What did you hear lab- again, Matt? What did you hear, mate? Uh-huh. One more time. Is it when? Um... <laughs> Love the injection, mate. That upset Oshin. <laughs> yeah, he was. It reminded me of him. It reminds me the way you're describing it. Reminds me of when uh, Eddie Van Halen comes in and knocks on the door. Is, yeah. that Is it in thriller? It's in Beatus. Sorry. Apparently, it's his manager saying, "Don't record." But he just goes yeah. for it anyway. Apparently, apparently so. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. I love, I love shit like that. And all the lads are kicking off at it, like, "No, no, no, we can't have that." And I'm there, like, "What? It's it's human. It's yeah. so human." Yeah. yeah you hear that all the time now. Like, um, yeah, it adds it adds to the experience. You've hit the nail on the head. It humanizes the Beatles. Humanizing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's that kind of that's that thing, you know. It, it, um, because it leads on to other things, doesn't it? You can, you can then be like, oh, Mez, I obviously like people are walking around and talking. What were you doing at that point? And I would just be like, oh, I had a conversation with our bassist, Gareth, for two hours about the US office in our singer's kitchen. It's quite <laughs> nice, actually. I was drinking coffee at the time. Nice. Um, but it's that's what it does. It adds another layer to it, mm-hmm. I think. And like like you were saying, Ashin, like obviously they they must have spent so much money. Well, yeah, that was another funny thing in that scene, wasn't it? Where I think it was George Martin that said it. He was like, "Well, it's two shillings a foot. This tape, then it's costing yeah. you." And George Harrison turned around and went, "We're EMI artists. It's costing EMI." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, Is this the first time as well? Like to to segue back in, this is a hard segue. It's nice to see the the first, to my knowledge, full performance of the rooftop performance. I didn't realize they did one after 909. I didn't realize they did a couple of takes to get back in that. So good to see. So good to see. It's really cool. It's really cool. And it, like, it's incredible. And then they they, they even add when they they replay a few songs. I think they replay. Get back and don't let me down, don't they? Yeah. There's a um two performances of that. Um the, that's the thing that I, I, I just think it's so cool that um you know obviously watching 
this whole eight hours. Uh, you've you've heard these songs again and again and again, and I think it's just magic that three of the recordings, as far as I know, three of the recordings on the rooftop made the album. Yeah, like they were having such a good time, and it reflects in the recording, and that's what made it the the take. You know, that's magic to me. And they and they go down and listen to it as well, and they go down and they're like. Yeah, they're yeah, that's it. pretty good. That. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very cool. But like, cool. it's so, it's so crazy. Like, I remember thinking, the the amount of effort we've watched. You know, they they've properly proper put their heart and soul into this, and you think, oh, it's, oh yeah, like the way the way you're saying that. You know, we've been kind of saying, oh, it's a bit disnified like that. Like it, it ended up all great at the end but then to to then think oh yeah they, it might be a triumph but then they it's crazy to think they just went nah no we're, we're not doing that anymore they were just like fuck it we'll shelve it and just went in the trident studio the next week and did um you know, whole new thing. Yeah, wasn't that wasn't that long, was it? And again, Abbey Road. Look at the like the EQ of that whole album. The bass sounds, the drum sounds yeah. like it's so lush. And what a contrast! And like what? Uh, it's a by far their best sounding album, uh, without a Sonic. doubt. Without a doubt, even yeah. at the time, and I'd say even now, regardless of all the uh, like the mixes, the new remix was the least difference. Out of the, I think there's four of them now, and that's the least different one. The it didn't need a remix. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great from the start. Which begs the from question: the there are probably albums that do not need different mixes. That becomes then a cash grab or some sort yeah. of monetary thing. You know? Yeah, you know? but we've we've uh, we went in length discussion at that on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, there is an audio file. Uh, we got our audio phileologist. I've made that word up now. Audio Or Shane loves being an audio file, right? He's just there. He's commenting on our Patreon, right? He's saying, "Yeah, you need to get the best gram vinyls for your experience and all these things," you know. And he's doing that. Patreon.com/slash/50ways/podcast. <laughs> all right, I'm plugging it, Mez. I've learned from the best. You have to plug stuff in, right? You we've got. Get in there. We've got exclusive content, right? It's three pound a month, right? That's. You can't, you can't even get a coffee at any popular coffee chain for three pound that's worth drinking. You know what I'm saying? You're getting yeah. ones that you're disappointed by. You're not going to get sugar-free syrup. You're not going to get any sweeteners in it. You know, you're getting some baby Chino crap. You know what I'm saying? He knows what I'm saying. I know what oh. I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You might as well believe and join up. We've got a community there. You know, there's regular posting going on now because, you know, we've got our stuff sorted. We're scheduling. We're doing whatever. There's fun little content. You know, why don't you join up? You get this episode probably about three, four days before it comes out. So you can be the envy of all your friends. And if you don't have have friends, well, I'm only going to be your friend if you pay me three pounds a month. Mez will agree. Four euros. There you go. That's how dedicated. We're international, Um, baby. That's what we're saying. I, 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 I will only be your friend if you subscribe, become a patron and buy all of the merch. All of it, even the old stuff. You have to, yeah. you have to yeah. message us directly. Anything. Oh, see, O'Sheen dedicated. He doesn't need to buy much. All right, he doesn't no, but he's 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 on the same level as us. He's it not the peasantry. Lovely. He's not the peasantry that buys yeah. merch. He he is now 
an honorary member of the Fist Ways. He's above merch. He doesn't need to be lurking oh, down all the people that does. need to pay. Yeah, exactly. Look, they he's, they he's got the Get Back book and the special edition Let It Be box set. Exactly. That was his ticket on here. I, I, I said to him, I messaged him, I said, if you ain't got that, <laughs> you ain't getting on. Don't stuff. come on, but, mate. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't seen, you haven't, have you seen Anthology? You have, all right, yeah, oh. all right, oh, go on then. Go on then, if you behave. If You've you got behave. a ticket to ride him, mate. Ah. Yeah. What a good hey, segue, she, Machine, get get back, mate. Oh, oh, oh! Let's get back, actually. Let's get it back. That's a good little segue to end this. We've 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 got a whole we've had a whole big old long chat about that, and I love it. I think we can all agree it is this fantastic. film is fantastic. I think for all the little things that mainly I've been trying to pick apart because I'd like to try and throw the spanner in the works. You know what I mean? I think for all of those little things even didn't get bought in it's excellent i think for non-musician fans like our parents like your like merit's mum especially where she's like you know i don't understand what's going on when they're playing the same song over and over and these chords and things and where they're like we get this like this is what happens you'd go round and round again or when you watch them all just jamming incessantly you're like yeah, I can see why people think that being a musician is not a job and you're just messing around, but you're like, no, this is just like, you need this release because sometimes it's hectic. It's brilliant. It doesn't, it just makes it. their legacy even brighter. And I think <clears throat> the things that are coming out of it, like the Letter B box set is perfect. Like we said in the last episode, please go watch it. Um, perfect. <laughs> what you want is what you need. And I'm interested to see what they're going to bring out next. So, Oshin, what do you think is the next big thing that the Beatles are going to bring out? Let's actually no, let's leave it open. What do you think is the next big release from the Beatles? Well, they've had such a big year in 2021. Um, well, obviously because it was so many 50th anniversaries, um, but there's not really um, much in. 72 but then now it's coming back to please please me is having its 60th anniversary yeah in uh 2023 so we could get a please please me box set and but there is speculation about a revolver um box set as well because I, it was leaked that he was working on stuff for revolver but oh, if that. they do go that. i'd love it i know um but if they do go from the beginning again it means we have to wait till uh what is it 2026 for or seven 2026 for the revolver boxes so yeah. i hope yeah. it comes out soon um, the 60 year one yeah Madness. yeah but then i i'm sure they're gonna do more uh solo beetle stuff i know they're going to um actually i just saw um earlier today that they're doing the whole they're streaming it live there's a live stream of the uh entire um rooftop performance yeah and i think it's a version without the no it's just the audio it's just the audio of the rooftop performance and i think it's without um the interruptions it's with without the little um segues into oh yeah well, who's this who's this oh, awesome. uh, playing on the roof yeah, apparently, it, uh, I think I think it is that. But, um, oh, man, there'll, there'll be a remix of everything. There'll be a... <laughs> we'll probably get a remake of uh, Magical Mystery Tour or something. I, I'm, I'm sure they'll do everything. 
Maybe it will get streamed now. This is, to my knowledge, the only thing that's a Beatles streamed documentary or film. So maybe we'll get some sort of revival on that because that's hot right now. All the Netflix, Amazon Prime, things like that. Spotify video. Maybe we'll get that. We never know. Mez, what's your prediction? What do you think is the next thing that's going to come out from these four young, fresh starters, these whippersnappers? They're going to go a long way, man. Long way. They're going to go a long way. They're going to be there. They're going to be big, I reckon, in the charts once or twice, I think. Um, also, no. the, the families, are they want their dough, man. They they need to kill, keep milking. They need to cream them. some more off the top, you know what I'm saying? Honestly, I think we're well overdue a George Harrison signature guitar again, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, but, which, but which one? The Gretsch? The Telecaster. The Tele? They, they already came out. It did, but there I should be another run. Yeah. It was a it was nice. Limited. It was a nice seven thousand pounds, eight thousand. Yeah, exactly, maybe. exactly. Who's buying that? I'm not <laughs> Speaking no. of guitars, I think the the winner of this um, uh, show is Lennon's um, Epiphone Casino. Epiphone Casino oh, isn't that? There's it, it's got the most character. It's just so much. It, I think it's the the tone all the way r- rolled all the way back, and it? it's just uh, that le- when he starts playing. Yeah. Like the I've never gotten that sound. It's just such a character. It's like Brian May's tone. Uh, you know, it's it's like that who's character. Who's that? Uh, that we, went, we went the whole episode without with one Queen reference, and O'Sheen's the one to bring up Brian May. Oh, yeah, you sorry. can't shoot me. Don't uh, don't shoot the uh, don't shoot the other co-host. <laughs> is it the fact that that guitar has so much character, or is it the fact that John Lennon's playing it? I, uh, John Lennon, I guess. John Lennon. And again, my theory still holds up. I've never seen a John Lennon guitar solo from start to finish without any cuts in it. And this film still has John Lennon solos that have cuts in it. Yeah. I really think that's a weird theory that they've just chucked in there. Oshin, if you don't believe me, to try and find me a John Lennon guitar solo from any era that's in full. You can see the whole solo visually. Or like you think they edit it all the solos, is it? So not edited as in like comped. So like when yeah. he's playing live, someone like you can't do that, which he plays. You never see him play. You don't you never see his fretboard hand and watch him play the whole solo in one go. There's always cuts to other Beatles oh. or the cameras on his face. But I've never found a one. Like oh, okay. I would think with Get Back, but really watch his solos and Get Back. It's, it's not a full take. It's not a full clip. And I swear um, it's a weird conspiracy Whereas there's full takes of George, is it? I'm pretty sure there's full takes of George Harrison, but I, I again, is, yeah. could be wrong. I could be wrong. It could be George as well, but I've never seen a John Animal. So there we go. So there we go. And I tell you what, I think we need to end this episode by saying that we've missed out one very, very vital point. And I'm actually disappointed in both of you at this point, right? I'm wearing oh, the, no. the, the weird shirt. The Beatles... I think win the award for the most cups of tea and toast <laughs> ever consumed by four people ever. It is insane. And not to mention the amount of cigarettes smoked. Now, 50 Ways podcast listeners may or may not be aware, but old Mez is trying to give up the old smokes. And I'm, I'm being very successful. I've got me vape. I've had days where I've had one. It's been going very well. 
do you have any idea how difficult it was to watch all of Get Back without at least <laughs> once thinking, I'm going to have a cigarette, actually. I bet you were like watching it and then you look down and your hands are just made a rolly. I bet you're like, I just made about 15 cigarettes here. It, it was because it, it does that. It's, it's uh, the part of your brain going, you need it when in reality I don't because I'm getting my nicotine from my vape. But I was, I was yeah. chaining my vape whilst washing Get Back and I'm coughing my guts up where I'm smoking it so much. <laughs> and it's. What, yeah. One realization that I, I got was, um, you know, the food that they were eating in the 60s, like if it was done in you know, even 10 years ago, they'd be like, oh, yeah, just pop down to McDonald's for me there. You know, there was nothing like yeah. that. They were just like, uh, what was it, sausages and cauliflower and whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they beans on toast, yeah. yeah. There, was a, there was a clip where um, they, pre, were, they um, were asking yeah. asking them what they wanted for lunch or something, and George Harrison just went, I'll just... I'll, I'll just have whatever vegetables there are. Is there is there any is there any cheese sauce for the cauliflower? <laughs> I'd like I quite like some cheese sauce on that. And I was just like, this is, this is fucking George Harrison. Like the dude yeah. should be able to go. I'll have that now, and and it, and it happens. But it, it it wasn't. He was he just wanted a bit of cauliflower cheese. <laughs> Maybe they should have CGI'd some Uber Eats deliveries in there. It'd be very interesting. Yeah. Bit of Literally. brand placement, McDonald's and things. But you know, for the 60th anniversary. Yeah. For the 60th anniversary, but we could go on forever and ever and ever. So I've got yeah, my friend really here. Could. I've got my monkey on my back, right? That means merit lights that, out. That means it's lights out. We've had a good old time. Merit, you know, he wants to say hi, and you know what the friendly greeting is. So can you bring us out with a nice loud belch to say bye? No, but I will say everyone's got something to hide except Marvin his monkey. <laughs> Did it uh, cleaning, cleaning. Oh, that's it, lads. That is it. We went. <laughs> <laughs>